Tipton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Good to have you along for the ride. NHL action this evening. Just three games on the schedule. And, of course, your scoreboard, as always, presented by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. The Capitals hold off the Maple Leafs 3-2. The Canadians and the Ducks will start in a few minutes. Chicago is leading the Detroit Red Wings 3-0 with 17 minutes left in the third period. Patrick Kane has his 37th goal of the season. All right. It's a luxury, and it's definitely a blessing to be able to play hockey and get paid to do that. So not many people get that opportunity. Inside Sports presents Live in the Dream. All right, back with Live in the Dream. We'll have it once a week for the rest of the hockey season where we feature an Edmonton or Northern Alberta player playing in a league other than the National Hockey League. Don't forget, a couple of weeks ago, we featured Derek Ryan, former U of A Golden Bear, playing for the Charlotte Checkers in the AHL. He is now in the NHL. He scored a goal last night in his first game on the power play for the Carolina Hurricanes, helped them defeat the Florida Panthers. So that was pretty cool. Tonight's guest plays in the CWHL, the Canadian Women's Hockey League, for the Calgary Inferno. Welcome to Live in the Dream and Inside Sports, Kristen Haig. Kristen, thanks for making time for us tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah, good to uh, good to talk to you this evening. And uh, man, you have had quite uh, quite the career. We talked a little bit at, uh, uh, yesterday when I got in touch with you for the uh, idea for doing this interview. Now, you you grew up? Did you grow up right in Edmonton, Kristen? I did. Yes, uh, born and raised. And now, when you played, because certainly. Uh, female and women's hockey has changed a lot over the years. Did you play on a boys' team, or were you on a uh, on a female team even when you were in minor hockey? I I have always played on uh, female teams. Actually, uh, the the Edmonton Girls Hockey Association started in I think it was around 1993. Uh, prior to that, I played a, a few years of ringette, and uh, from 1993 forward, I played on, on on women's teams all the way up to when I went to university. Okay, and then you played for the U of A Pandas? Yes, yeah, for five years. And were you on that run when they won nationals almost every year? Um, yes, well, almost every year, yeah. I In five seasons there, I, I won four championships. It was my fourth year when we, we finished second. So, uh, But, yeah, still not, not a bad result. <laughs> Okay, so I, I'm curious, and we'll get and we'll get into uh, we'll get into you know some of the things you're doing now. But you, you finished the pandas, and then I mean, what what opportunities were you were there for you then to continue um, playing hockey? Because I know uh, for I think some players after university that was it in terms of doing something really competitive, unless you maybe made a national team or something. Yeah, well, that's uh, the, the options are not extensive, and they particularly weren't uh, back when I graduated in 2006. Um, there was, you know, there was options of going over and playing hockey in Europe, or um, there was uh, a league here in uh, Western Canada called the Western Women's Hockey League. Okay, so uh, that 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 allowed you to keep going a little bit. 
uh, and what, how would you describe the caliber of that compared to what you played in CIS? Um, well, the Western Women's Hockey League was fairly com- comparable, although I, I, there were there were a lot of national team players at that time, sort of centralized on a couple of the teams. So uh, the Calgary Oval team was quite a bit stronger than a lot of the other teams. Um, but you know, by comparison, the Edmonton Chimos, who I played for, were, were fairly comparable with uh, the Alberta Pandas at that time. Okay. All right, so uh, you do that kind of stuff. Now, it's interesting as well because while you're playing hockey, or was it, was it while you were with the Pandas you were, you were getting your law degree, or did that come later? No, that came later. Um, uh, my, my undergrad degree was in uh, kinesiology. Um, I went back and, and started my law degree in 2009. Okay, cool. Okay, why did you decide to go into law? Um, there were a number of reasons. Some of it was, uh, it, it, there's a lot of uh, lawyers in my family, so it had always kind of been in the back of my mind that uh, I may go that route. Um, I didn't decide that immediately after I graduated, and certainly I didn't go into a you know, Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology thinking I might become a lawyer. Um, yeah, I just, uh, a year after I graduated, I think I decided to try writing the LSAT, did pretty good on it, and applied to school and got in. So um, it, it wasn't my plan. It just sort of panned out and turned out I, I quite enjoyed it. So Okay, cool. Kristen Haig joining us, Living the Dream Inside Sports on 630 Chet. So you have uh, traveled the world, though, to uh, to continue your hockey career. Where, where have you played in Europe? Um, I only played one season in Europe. I played in uh, the European Women's Hockey League. Uh, for a team at that point that was called the Salzburg Ravens, um, they're now called the Salzburg Eagles. Okay, so what was it? What was it like? Was there a culture transition, a language transition? I mean, there must, it must have been quite an experience. Um, yeah, I mean, in every respect, it was it was a transition. I mean, it was the the longest amount of time I'd ever spent living away from home. Um, I did all my you know previous education in Edmonton. Um, so even in that respect, it was uh, a big change for me. But, I mean, the, the hockey was entirely different. How it was all managed was entirely different. And, yeah, that's not to mention just, you know, being uh, in the middle of a place where I don't speak the language. So uh, there was a lot of things that changed all at once, for sure. Uh, did you always understand what your coach was telling you? Um, no, I, I, I generally went with uh, verbal cues, and he, aside from the fact that he was speaking German, it, it seemed as though he was yelling most of the time as well. So uh, I just kind of followed the drawings on the board and, um, and, and, and hoped for the best, although I did pick up a few words here and there. So. Okay. <laughs> uh, like, yeah. Did you ever misunderstand anything or fall behind? Yeah, well, I, um, it was just funny. There was... There was words I would hear frequently, and eventually I'd say, oh, what does that mean? And I kept hearing this word shaiba over and over again. And then finally I, I clued in and realized, you know, sometime past midseason that he'd been saying puck that entire time. So that was a good word to learn. <laughs> that was a key word. That, okay. <laughs> uh, I, under, I understand while you were in Germany, too, there was uh, an interesting experience where maybe you found out that your commitness, your your commitment to fitness might have been higher than some of your teammates? Yes, um, and, and there was numerous uh, occurrences of this kind of throughout the season, but it was sort of right off the, the get-go. Um, we had a game, we were on the road, and 
so I wasn't really familiar with the rink, and I went to do my off-ice warm-up, and I didn't see any of my teammates. I figured they knew where to warm up, but I decided I'd go outside and go for a run, and as I rounded the arena, went around a corner, I came across a group of my teammates uh, having a pregame smoke. So, um, yeah, that... <laughs> Slightly different uh, pregame rituals between uh, myself and my teammates. Well, nothing like a pregame smoke. Okay, <laughs> so that was what they did in in in, uh, in Germany. Okay, interesting stuff. <laughs> Kristen Haig joining us, living the dream on uh, Inside Sports on on six thirty. Chet. So uh, now you are you're practicing law in Calgary and playing for the Calgary Inferno. Yes. What what kind of law do you do you practice? Um, I'm in civil litigation. Um, so it's, it's a fairly broad practice, although um, the, the firm that I'm at is uh, relatively small and we're, we're quite focused on, you know, certain areas of litigation, um, lots of uh, insurance-type work, employment work, things like that. Okay. Uh, how do you balance your hockey career with, obviously, a very busy profession of being a lawyer? What's that like? Um, well, it's, it is challenging. Um, I, I mean, I, I obviously have some experience in the past balancing school with hockey as well. Uh, this is a, a whole new thing because you obviously spend a lot more hours at work uh, than than you do with school. Um, but it, it, you, you find the time. I mean, um, certainly between family and, and uh, hockey and work, sometimes something's got to give and something doesn't quite get 100% of my attention. But... Um, uh, it's been manageable. It's just, uh, you know, I enjoy uh, everything that I'm doing, and as long as I'm enjoying it, then I have no issue, you know, making some sacrifices. All right. So, and you're enjoying this CWHL season because it's next season you're playing, or sorry, next weekend you're playing Montreal for the league title? Yeah, well, March 13th will be the the Clarkson Cup final game against Montreal. Okay. Big game. Um, tell me a little bit about the the CWHL. I mean, you know, it's a. I'm sure it's a league. It's trying to uh, gain some steam and, and and keep going. How would you describe the caliber of play, the stability of the teams in the league, all that kind of stuff? Um, well, as far as caliber, I mean, this is the the highest level of hockey I've played, um, and it's not to take anything away from you know playing in the CIS and the the WWHL before, but. Um, I mean, there, there's five teams in this league. Every team has uh, multiple Team Canada players, uh, and the players that aren't currently on Team Canada used to be on Team Canada or used to be in the program or, you know, were the top players from their respective CIS and NCAA teams. So in terms of the level of play, it's very, very good. Um, um, and, and, and league organization-wise, I mean, there are only five teams, but... Um, we seem to spread it all out that you don't end up hating each other too much when it comes around to play each other again. Okay. All right. Well, that's, that's, that's good to know. Uh, Kristen, I'm going to ask you with one final question. I think this is going to be a standard question that I ask, uh, that I ask everybody. I guess when I, when I talk to men, um, they have the, the NHL as a possible dream. It, it's different with, with obviously women's hockey, but I mean, you've talked about your career and how hard you work for that uh, in terms of being a lawyer. Um, I, I don't mean this in an insulting way, but I'm going to assume the salaries in the CWHL aren't on par with the National Hockey League. Uh, <laughs> well, actually, the the salaries in the CWHL are non-existent at this time. Well, you're not getting anything? 
No, no. Oh, wow. We don't get, we don't get paid at all at this point. I, I mean, that's the, the, the league goal. And without, you know, commenting too much on the, you know, the structure and uh, business plan of the league, the intention is to work towards, you know, salaried players. But um, obviously going from, you know, zero dollar salaries up to even anything meaningful and, you know, uh, sustaining a career for somebody when they don't have to have some other source of income, it's, it's, it's still a long ways off. Okay, so then my question is, uh, why why keep playing? Why keep what, what keeps you going? It's really just the. Uh, it'll sound very cliche, but uh, <laughs> passion for the game. Um, I I did step away from elite hockey for five years to go to school and start my career, and um, you know the, the the passion just never fully went went away. I think I drove my my wreck teammates crazy with how competitive I was, and. Um, I just really had to get back into it, and you know, um, two years in the CWHL, it's just been, it's been a great experience. I, it's great to surround yourself with other players that share that passion and and drive for the game. I mean, sure, it would be great to get paid to do it too, and and hopefully that is the way it turns out for for female hockey somewhere down the road. But you know, for the time being, I just I just love to play. Well, well said. Kristen, the interview flew by. Thanks for making time for us uh, on Inside Sports. So people can just look uh, you. Your last name is uh, it's K R I S T E N. Your first name, uh, your last name H A G G. If people want to read more about you, and you're with the Calgary Inferno, and it's the C W H L, so they can find uh, more about that online. Thank you for living the dream with us tonight. Great. Thanks so much for having me. That is Kristen Haig checking in Inside Sports on 6:30. Chat fun segment. We'll be doing that for the rest of the hockey season. Of course, you can call us on the open line 780-496-0063. Our text line is 6:30-6:30. I'm still getting uh, text messages about the uh, booing topic. I, I think we've uh, I think we've played that out. I don't think the people on two sides are going to reach a consensus on it. Um, but uh, thanks to everybody who jumped in tonight. Uh, still ahead, Mark Kennedy. From the Team Alberta team, third for Kevin Cooey. They're going to the Briar. We'll hear from Andre Sekra as well. He's going to play for the uh, Europe, European team at the World Cup of Hockey when we get back. You're listening to 630 Ted Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Tomorrow in this time slot, well, actually, the game will be over by now. We'll be into uh, overtime open line by now. 3 o'clock, or 3.30, rather, for the face-off show. 5 o'clock for the start of the game. Oilers against the Philadelphia Flyers. Same time on Friday when uh, the Oilers take on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Some Oilers notes today. Connor McDavid, named to the... North American team for the World Cup of Hockey. Korpakoski to Finland. Dreisaitl and Sekera to the European team. And Bob Stoffer sat down with Andre Sekera to talk a little bit about the upcoming World Cup. Well, uh, 
I guess first, uh, the first question that needs to be asked, what do you think of the logo? Uh, interesting. <laughs> interesting, yeah. Interesting. Uh, uh, it looks good on the picture. <laughs> um, I guess guys were coming up with some new ideas and I mean, logo is logo and uh, it's nice to have it on the chest. Uh, there is multiple different countries represented uh, with this Team Europe concept. How do you see you guys finding a way to come together? Well, I'm pretty sure there will be some training camp or something like that to find a little bit of chemistry and then uh, you know, we will try to get it going as quick as we can and you know, uh, probably just go out and play. Uh, several Slovaks on the team, but there are some Danes on the team. There is even a young German guy on the team. Uh, you have a little bit of a read on uh, Leon. Did you ever think you'd be playing in a tournament like this uh, with the makeup of a different bunch of guys, including Leon, who started the year in the minors? Uh, not really. I, I remember World Cup was as a, you know, eight teams, eight countries basically, and uh, you know, they've made a different format now, but uh, it's definitely a big honor for me, and, and I'm pretty sure for him as well, and you know, he's playing real well all year from the game one until now, and uh, he probably deserves to be on that team. Good. You got some older guys on that defense, eh? Yeah. You're going to have to carry Zidane Charo out there? <laughs> no, no, no. He, he'll be okay. A lot of, a lot of great, great guys on the team. Uh, it doesn't mean they're older, they cannot play. I guess uh, they're very experienced and they understand the game very well, so it will be a very good leadership group down there, I'm pretty sure, and uh, uh, I'm looking forward to that. You uh, finished the season last Last year, playing with Andrei Kopitar, do you see him as one of the guys that's going to be a leader for the team up front? Yeah, definitely him, uh, Marian Hosas, Dan Ochara. Uh, all those guys are older than us, and you know there's a lot that we can learn from them. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. It'll be great experience, and uh, uh, we'll try to try to soak up as much as we can. All right, Andre Sekra talking to Bob Stoffer about being named to the uh, World Cup team. 16 players for each team. You can get more details on uh, 630Ched.com. My love letter to the World Cup of Hockey can be found there as well. Also, uh, Kyle Lowry, 32 points. DeMar DeRozan, 31 points. The Raptors beat the Utah Jazz 104-94, stretching their franchise record home winning streak to 11 games. Terrence, Rontz, uh, Terrence Ross added 11 points for the Raptors. All right, in the uh, next half hour of the show, we're going to bring in Mark Kennedy from Team Alberta. He's the third for the team that's going to compete at the Tim Hortons Briar in Ottawa. Evan Dom will pop in as well to preview the weekend series between the U of A Golden Bears hockey team and the Saskatchewan Huskies playing in Saskatoon for the Canada West Championship. Both teams have secured spots in nationals, so uh, they're playing for pride. Obviously, big rivalry there, as well as for seeding. Uh, it's a, now an eight-team. When did they bring that in? Was last year the first year for that? I believe last year was the first year for that. It was for having a, uh eight-team single elimination tournament, which I like a lot better. Matthew Panashik on the other side of the window. How are those bugles doing? You finish that bag? They're halfway done. How many bags of bugles do you eat every day? Way too many. <laughs> Just too many. That's all you know. Too many. I don't, I don't keep counting anymore, Reed. It's so bad. It's embarrassing. Uh, it is. Shannon says, uh, thanks for having Kristen Haig on the show. My two daughters played with the EGHA in the A division. They continue to play in the adult rec leagues because they love the game. That is from Shannon. Thank you very much for writing in tonight, Shannon. All right.
Jeff Carter, what do you think? You don't like it, eh? No, I think Taylor Hall should be on the team. Like that, like that one guy texted in. I totally agree with him. Hall should be on the team over Jeff Carter. Just think that Hall's a better player than Carter. That's all. Think if Hall, he's, I mean, he's dropped off lately from where he was earlier in the season. I think if he would have maintained that or, or been closer to maintaining it, he's probably on the team. Didn't quite get there, though. 8.30 news and weather coming up. Then we're back with Mark Kennedy. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, it is 8.33. Chicago leading Detroit 5-1 late in the third period. Panarin has two. He's up to 24. Kane has his 37th. No score. Canadians and Ducks, six minutes left in the first period. Washington beating Toronto tonight. 3-2. 3-2. That is it for NHL action. A busier night tomorrow, including, of course, the Edmonton Oilers in action. My name is Reed Wilkins. Matthew Panashik is your studio producer this evening. You work in the game tomorrow, buddy? I am. Cool. Earlier night, early that, game, 5 o'clock start. That's fine. It's nothing like being a little bit earlier to watch the Oilers beat up on the Flyers, eh? going to be an interesting game. Flyers are only three out of a playoff spot, uh, and then the Oilers play Columbus and Winnipeg, who are well out of it. And uh, the Oilers just a game, or pardon me, a point back of the Flames and the Jets now. Oh, 5-2. Detroit just scored, by the way, but Chicago is going to win it. Only two minutes left. Uh, games in hand for the uh, Jets and the Flames on the Oilers, but uh, not as many as earlier in the season. We'll see where they finish. I think, you know, they just got to keep working hard like they have over the last couple of games. Kevin Cooey will represent Alberta at the 2016 Tim Hortons Briar. And that'll start this weekend. Mark Kennedy is the third for that rink. Mark, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Hey, Reed. I'm good. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, thanks for making time for us because uh, I know it's a it's a busy week and everything's uh, starting up this weekend. So so really good to have you on again. Uh, everybody, of course, is wishing you the best. Uh, you know, I asked you I asked you this last time, but now that it, it's coming right up, does does this Briar feel any different? more comfortable in the preparation what have the last couple of weeks been like uh oh that's a good question i think it does feel a little different um just because we didn't place very well last year i think we kind of want to redeem ourselves a bit and and we've had such a good season so far we really just wanted to keep going uh and there's a different vibe with everyone just on how how good this briar is going to be and how great the teams are you know we're not we're not sure where we're going to be at the end of the week and with no easy games, it's going to be a challenge. But we've we've had a really good preparation here the last couple of days. We actually just had uh, two full days of practice in Calgary, and we're getting on an airplane tonight. And we're eager to see how it goes. The the Briar is such a a, a bit larger event um, than pretty much anything else you you compete in, and nothing against uh, you know some of the tour events and obviously provincials and all that stuff. But this is so big, the media coverage and the TV. Uh, the TV coverage is, is so yeah. intense. And if you're on one of the featured matches, you are wearing a microphone the entire time. What, what is that like working 
and knowing that anything you say could be broadcast to thousands, if not millions, of people? Well, you have to be a little, little more careful than you normally would. That's for sure. Um, we're, you know what? We're fortunate though. Like we've, with our Grand Slam events, we've probably played a hundred TV games over the last five or six years. You know, almost every week now we have a microphone on, so we've gotten pretty accustomed to it. Gotten accustomed to not swearing when we miss and being a little careful what we say to each other. Um, but that takes a while to get used to, and I actually think that's one of the reasons you. You're always seeing the same teams on TV um, because a lot of the young guys haven't adjusted to playing on TV and in front of that many people and with a microphone. It's a completely different atmosphere when you have those things to think about. So the teams that have gotten the most used to it and accustomed to it are the ones that uh, seem to continue to be successful. Well, that that's an interesting way to put it, that that is part of uh, I mean last time you were on we talked a lot about the mental game and I guess that's that's another aspect to it is is playing on that stage where you know how many people are are watching and listening that is yet another mental adjustment and mental strength you have to develop it is and the tough part with that one is it's not something you can practice it's not something you can simulate in a in a practice environment it's only something you can learn through experience and, and sometimes it's tough experience you know I remember games when we were younger, TV games playing against the fur before and just getting killed, you know, losing 10 to 1 in front of uh, 250,000 fans on TV in a full building, that's not a good feeling. Uh, it's something you really have to learn how to handle and get accustomed to. And, uh, yeah, you're right. It adds a big part to the mental part of the game for sure. All right. So tell me about a time you caught yourself saying something that you knew you probably shouldn't. <laughs> Actually, you know, it's funny. We were uh, – uh, my teammate Ben has all of our games uh, on DVD from the past, whatever, 10 years. So every once in a while when we get together as a team, we throw on an old game. So last night we threw on a couple games from 2009 playing against uh, Glenn Howard because Brent Lang was here with us. And some of the language in that game was uh, was pretty horrid. It was, it was almost like we forgot we had microphones on. We've had times where we've been warned after games that we have to be a little more careful with our language, and, and they always threaten fines on us, but I don't think we've ever gotten a fine yet. So, Well, it's got to be tough because there are certain words that we all say, athletic or not, um, that go along with making mistakes or frustrations. So, and I mean, there's no worse athlete for it probably than one of the most famous guys in the world, and that's, that's Tiger Woods, who's been caught and who's been fined, and they try to kill Mike's after he hits bad shots. So, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't know. Well, it, it, there's two sides to the coin. One is, one reason curling is so popular is because of the microphones and the fact that you can listen to what the athletes are thinking and saying right in the middle of competition, which is a very rare thing in sports. So, you know, to really get into the minds and what they're, what these guys are thinking is wonderful. But on the other hand, it, it, we're not allowed to really show the emotion that we would like to show. Uh, you know, this is a huge part of our life. And when something isn't going well, you know, being able to let out an F-bomb or, or a, a JC or whatever the case is to get rid of some emotion, we can't do that. So we kind of, we do it anyway, but we get in trouble for it. Um, but we got, you know, you have to learn how to kind of hold that emotion in. And that's not the healthiest thing when you're trying to be a high-performance athlete. So we kind of have to balance that. Um, you know, we've gotten good at knowing when our mics are on and off. You know, lots of times the microphone during the opposition shot, their mics will be on. So maybe that's a time that we can let out a couple of uh, swear words or a little bit of emotion. And 
You just have to, you just have to take your moments, Reed. <laughs> Mark Kennedy joining us. He's heading to the Briar place for uh, Kevin Cooey. They're going to be representing Alberta. Um, uh, I, I also want to. I'm curious about playing in. Uh, you're in TD Place. What's it? How is it different playing in a hockey rink, if at all? Maybe maybe it isn't. But how is it different? Um, well, it used to be different when we weren't used to it. I keep bringing it up, but the Grand Slams have made it because we have seven Grand Slams now, and they're all in or they're all in uh, hockey rinks. So you really get used to that atmosphere and having lots of seats and having arena ice. And so it's, it's become second nature to us. Uh, the difference for an average curling fan they might not know is the ice itself is just a lot different. It's, uh, you know, there's a lot more swing to it. It's a lot faster. It's a real different feel than a curling club. Um, so that's the biggest adjustment. And the other thing, yeah, is the fans. I mean, it takes a, it takes a little while to get used to having people watching you. And, and, you know, you can high-five people as you're walking down the boards and it's a very, very cool experience, and live curling is a lot of fun for us. Probably more fun for the players than it actually is for the fans. You referenced arena ice. What is that? Well, uh, you know, typical regular ice would be in a curling club. Uh, arena ice is where they have to manufacture the hockey ice and turn it into curling ice. So they'll, you know, flood it to make it flat. Right. Um, but how? But how does that affect? I mean, you notice, I mean, you go into this thinking, all right, there's there's more to learn. There's going to be less movement, more movement, more problems, you know, things like that? No, typically it's the other way around where they okay. manufactured the ice at an arena to be the right amount of curl. Uh, you know, the, the rocks are sandpapered before an event to give them a little bit more scratch so that they curl more. Um, they can just be a little bit more precise with the ice conditions and the airflow and the temperatures than they can at a curling club. So typically when we go to an arena ice, we know we're going to get four to four and a half feet of curl. Uh, we know the speed is going to be somewhere between 14 and a half and 15 seconds between the hog lines. Uh, it's very, very consistent. And most of our major events, the ice makers are the best in the world, and they, they're trying to give us those perfect conditions. So for the most part, it's what we get. We're actually very, very spoiled. Um, you'll hear a lot of elite curlers go to curling clubs and complain because we've just been so spoiled with such good ice for so many years that when we have to go back to a curling club, it's a pretty big adjustment for us. Interesting stuff. I hope that makes sense. It, well, it does make sense. I feel like I could I could go win a briar now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah. Well, yeah. I'd like to see that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to get you out on the ice one of these days. I'd like to see myself throw one good rock out of a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> in, in reality, I I, yep. I I could come up with a few choice words. I'm sure if we played on the same team, you'd probably have them for me as a teammate. <laughs> probably, yeah. Yeah, Mark, thanks for your time because I know you're you're traveling today. All the best uh, next week. Go get them. Represent the province hey, well. Thanks a lot, Reed. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it, man. We'll have a good one. That is Mark Kennedy. Love having him on the show. Third for Kevin Cooey, Team Alberta. They are heading to... Oh, my mic's turned around. So did it sound all hollow? Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah, these mic... How does it sound now? Sound funny? What about what about this one? That sounds funny too? Okay. Sorry about that. Mark Kennedy uh, with, with uh, Alberta, Kevin Cooey, going to the Briar. Uh, tell you what. Evan Dom coming up next. Uh, we're going to talk a little about the uh, Canada West Hockey Final. Who knows what we'll hit on with Evan. It's 844.
for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Fun show. Having a great time talking to you. Oilers and Flyers on this station tomorrow. Oilers and Blue Jackets on Friday night. Oilers and Jets on Sunday night. This weekend in Saskatoon, the Canada West Hockey Championship will be decided. The U of A Golden Bears visiting the Saskatchewan Huskies. Visiting the key word because I don't, I, 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 it's been like almost 20 years since it has happened. Evan Dom is the uh, communications coordinator with the Canada West Conference, a friend of the program. Evan, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Great. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. When was the last time the Golden Bears played a playoff series on the road? It was 2000, and it was at Rutherford Rink in Saskatoon. And the Golden Bears went into Saskatchewan and lost that series in three games. I remember it well because uh, someone I know well was behind the bench for the Golden Bears. He came back uh, a pretty unhappy, unhappy father that that <laughs> Monday morning when I saw him after the Sunday night loss to the Saskatchewan Huskies in Game Three of the Conference Final. But uh, the rest of that story is a positive one for Golden Bears fans as Alberta went into Sask Place the next week and won the University Cup, as they did in '99 as well. That is correct. Yeah, that was the the back-to-back titles, uh, and that was an exciting time for Golden Bears fans. Those were epic battles with the Saskatchewan Huskies those two seasons because those were some of the best Husky teams of all time. You know, until this season, that 99-2000 Saskatchewan team had the most wins in program history with 22, and the Huskies equaled that this season. So there's some parallels between that year and this year, certainly. Uh, Both teams going to nationals like they did back then. But uh, a significantly different feel in terms of the uh, you know veteran presence on the Saskatchewan team this year. It's a very young group compared to a, a very old veteran, uh, battle-tested Alberta team with seven fifth-year players. Yeah. Okay. I just want to finish. Now the Bears would have played a road series. Was it 2012? The year before Ian came? Because that wasn't that the uh, year they finished third. Yes, that was the last time they played a road series, but that's the last time they were in Saskatchewan was back in 2000. So right, so they, if it's they, been a long time. If they would have advanced in 2012, they would have played a road series, but they lost a home series. So, Correct, yeah. but Okay, but they haven't actually gone on the road. That, that's a, that's, that's a, uh, an incredible run. Evan, g- give people a sense of what you think this series will be like from a, a competitive angle, because both teams have locked up spots in Nationals. I think it's going to be as competitive as you could possibly imagine, Reed. And, I mean, that sounds a little bit counterintuitive with both teams going to nationals, but there's a serious uh, rivalry between these two programs. I think this year has really jump-started it. Saskatchewan had a bad season last year, but they obviously rebounded and turned things around very quickly in Saskatoon. And, you know, there's no love lost here between the, the fifth-year Golden Bears and uh, the other veteran players on the Saskatchewan Husky side of things. I mean, overall, it's a very young group in Saskatchewan, but there is some veteran, um, you know, flavor to that team. And, you know, these two programs have been so good for so long and have had so many battles that there's never a dull moment when they face off. And we saw that a couple of weeks ago in the regular season when Saskatchewan came here and there were all sorts of brouhaha's and crazy funny business after the whistles and goalies getting run and players taking shots at each other and fans breaking glass at Claire Drake <laughs> Arena. There's never any shortage of energy 
and I would expect nothing less this weekend in, in Saskatoon in a series that I would anticipate will go till Sunday night. That, that, that was a very spirited weekend uh, when they played in the regular, uh, regular season for sure, and the Bears wound up getting both, win, uh, both wins. Where are they ranked right now, Evan? Uh, Saskatchewan goes in three, Alberta goes in four, so it's two of the top four teams in the country, and it's going to be a dandy. I mean, there's no question that when you look at these two teams, they are very different places in terms of their development. Alberta with all those older players, Saskatchewan with their core being second, third-year players. You know, they're, they're the best line in the conference this season outside of Alberta has been Saskatchewan's rookie line of, of Cole Baumel, Andrew Johnson, and Levi Cable. Two of those three guys were all rookies this season, and, and Baumel was the rookie of the year in Canada West. So they have a lot of youth going for them, and I think that's actually a good thing for Saskatchewan because when you look back at the Huskies' history – under Dave Adolph, and he's had a lot of success. He's the winningest coach in conference history in terms of wins. They have struggled at key moments against the Golden Bears, and they haven't been able to get over the hump. And Maybe that lack of sort of institutional knowledge, so to speak, is a good thing for them going in and not knowing exactly what they're getting themselves into. Evan, when it, when it comes to the, the seedings for the national tournament where they will rank teams one through eight, I, I'm assuming the loser of this weekend series will be dropped out of the top four and, and will and will they place them on the opposite side of the draw so they can't meet again until the final yeah they'll do their best to avoid another can you know a canada west matchup out, outside of the final i mean things can happen and teams can lose that maybe shouldn't over the course of the playoffs and the other conferences but that's what they generally try to do uh, try and get those teams the opportunity to play someone they haven't seen all season long and uh, we've seen over the course of the last several seasons, a few interconference matchups that have come in the final, but they try and make sure that it doesn't happen until that uh, very final game at the at the absolute earliest. What, what is this? The second year for the one through eight single elimination seeding? Yeah, this is the second year that they, they've gone to pure quarterfinal, semifinal, final system, and that's obviously had implications on the significance in some conferences of their championship. Uh, series. I don't think it has as much here in Canada West just because of uh, the makeup of the conference and the competitiveness, but um, it's it's been an interesting format change. Obviously, you get two more teams involved versus the 16 format they had in the past. It, it sh- certainly is a lot more clear-cut when you just win and you move on as opposed to you win and then someone has to bust out the abacus and get goals for and against and uh, under the old system where they had two two pools of three teams. So it's more straightforward. It's easier to understand. Uh, it's better for TV. It makes for a true semifinal opportunity for them to showcase four teams looking to go to the final. So there's, there's pros and cons, but uh, it is the way it is. And I, I think both teams are, are fully aware of just how significant uh, this weekend is in terms of getting prepared for that uh, quarterfinal game that they'll play in Halifax in a couple of weeks' time after a bye. Well, you know, I was a big proponent of going through the one through eight because I, I didn't like the two three team pools and I thought it was too complicated for a lot of fans who let let's face it only really follow CSI CRC CSI CIS hockey at, at at this time of year. So it was easier to understand than the two pools and the goal average formula and all that, that stuff. These are are they committed to staying with the 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 eight team tournament or could it change back? I mean, it could always change, Reed. I mean, it depends on the, the flavor of the week, but I think there's a good appetite right now within the coaches group who, to a large extent, leads and, and guides the, the format of the tournament moving forward that this is uh, this is going to work for them. And I, I think there was a significant influence from, 
from some television partners to, to clean things up. And um, I think there's a good appetite for maintaining the status quo. And, you know, we're only in year two of it, so we'll see how it shakes out over the long run. But I think for the most part, people accept what it is. It's, it's You go out, it's one shot, you're in or you're out. And uh, that's just the way it is. Okay, before I let you go, actually a texter just wrote in, I wish Canadian University Hockey was televised. Uh, first of all, you can stream games online, Canada West games, for a, a pretty low price point throughout the season. And it, what is it, the 19th and the 20th of March, the national semis and the championship game are going to be on Sportsnet, right? Yeah, that's correct. So you'll be able to watch that coast-to-coast at Sportsnet has their CIS championship coverage that weekend, uh, along with men's basketball, women's basketball as well, women's hockey down in Calgary. So there's going to be no shortage of CIS content for our fans out there to watch during the course of that weekend. And we're excited about being showcased on Sportsnet again. It's been a great partnership for us. They do a really good job with the games. Professional crew, they're out there all week to get background information, see the teams play, see the teams practice. So they've done a really great job with it, and we're happy to have them as partners again this season. And like you mentioned, if you want to watch the Canada West final this weekend, you can do it on CanadaWest.tv. It's uh, 375 US per day, so that gives you access to every game on the site, and um, it's a great opportunity to watch two very teams go at it. Uh, great teams go at it uh, in a historic uh, series. Evan, thanks so much for your time, man. Always great to have you on Inside Sports. Enjoy Saskatoon this weekend. Absolutely, we'll do. Reed, take care. Evan Dom from the Canada West Conference on Inside Sports. Want to thank the rest of our guests, Mark Kennedy, Kristen Haig, Kelly Rudy, Peter Shirelli. Also heard from Sekera Dreisaitl, Korpakoski, and McDavid. Those four men all picked to play in the World Cup of Hockey. Get more on 630Ched.com. Capitals beat the Leafs 3-2. Canadians and Ducks scoreless after one. Chicago wins 5-2 in Detroit. 3.30 face-off show tomorrow. 5 o'clock for the start of the game. Oilers at Flyers. The studio producer this evening, Matthew Panashik. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. My name is Reed Wilkins. Had a lot of fun tonight. Talk to you soon. Keep moving on down this road that never seems to end.